welcome to Parents on Pitches podcast. My name's Damien. My name's Sam. And as you'll notice this week, there are only the two of us. Uh, Matt is busy at work and Andy has just, well, his wife has just had a new child. Um, and so they are super busy right now. And this week, change of format, as we, we changed it last episode, um, we just pick films that we have all seen, or the hosts at the time, so in this case it's Sam and myself that we've seen, um, that is currently on either you know, one of the streaming platforms, and Sam, what have we picked this episode? So, uh, we have picked an, what I would consider to be an absolute classic, and, and definitely one that I think yeah there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of kind of i don't know feeling and and almost backstory personally to to this movie but we have chosen this week the 1999 classic i think it's 1999 yeah 1999 uh, the we have chosen the matrix to be the our review this week now uh matrix yeah this is going to be needed do we need a synopsis we probably should yeah i mean <laughs> we probably should give it a, a mini a mini yeah, go for it. It's it's a complex yeah. story. Let's let's do a let's do a little plot and then we'll go we'll go into yeah. it. Well, in fact, I'll tell you what, let's go for the synopsis. The IMDB super short synopsis when a beautiful stranger leads computer hacker Neo to a forbidding underworld, he discovers the shocking truth. The life he knows is the is the elaborate deception of an evil cyber intelligence. Evil cyber intelligence! <laughs> you know the funny thing about this reading that back now is that feels like if you if you read that synopsis for a film coming out in 2021 you'd be like oh that's yes. so that has just been so overdone and and maybe it might have even been overdone in 1999 but i don't know how old 1999 i was uh, was i 15 yeah i was 15 something like that in 99 so for me i was like this is amazing um as a 15 year old obviously looking at it through the lens of an adult it, I, hopefully it'll be a little bit different um but before we get on to the actual film for me it was one of those moments where i was like wow this film is amazing and it imprinted in my mind so strongly i know exactly where i was and what i was doing at the time that i was watching it um so how how, how did you come about this because very few people went to see this in the cinema this was mm. uh this is a vhs hit back in the day so I remember seeing it might have been like a um, it might have been a shot on the news or something like that, just talking about the the movie or, or so. And, and I remember seeing the scene where um, they're on the rooftop and the agent dodges the bullets, and then Neo uh, does that maybe the, the, the swirling camera as he dodges the bullets himself. I remember seeing that and thinking. I have to see this, whatever this is, it was the same as, but just seeing that, I was like, I, I have to experience this. And I remember being at like a party or something, like as a teenager and everyone's like having a great time and someone had put the Matrix on in the background and I just ignored everything else that was going on and just spent the entire evening watching the Matrix instead of socialising. So that was the moment I, I remember seeing it on VHS. Yeah. Love it, love it. See, I didn't actually see any trailers or anything leading up to this because uh, when I was younger, it wasn't really something that I was into. You know, I'd watch films, but I was nowhere near into them as much as I am today. And um, I remember it was a Sunday and it was a middle of the afternoon and one of my sister's friends bought 
the VHS over and she said, you've got to watch this. So my sister, her friend and my dad, we all went into the lounge. We sat down and we watched the matrix together. And I, I remember it super clearly. It was a sunny, hot day, which is quite rare for the UK. Um, I just remember watching the whole thing from start to finish being completely blown away and now i was into martial arts at that time i have been into martial arts pretty much my whole life so to watch this style i was like oh my god and i didn't even really know what anime and all that jazz was um until i was older and you know i had my own money so i was able to buy all the dvds and and videos that i wanted um so i i remember watching this for the first time so clearly it's just one of those pinnacle moments that this is probably the film that really got me into movies in a big mm. way. I'm like, if this is what is on offer, I have got to watch more of what's out there. And so I think this is probably for yeah. me where the craze of watching films started. It was just super crystal clear in my mind. Yeah. And I think um, the challenge certainly for the film in terms of seeing other things that came after it but also in that it's such a I guess a, a parodied and referenced movie um, that uh, it's hard not to watch it without thinking of uh, the different I don't know when the Simpsons or Family Guy of, of, of sort of uh, parodied parts of it but actually it is one of those that even I think it might have been a couple of years ago when they did the um, uh, well, it would have been, yeah, um, the, the 20th anniversary and they did a, a 4K re-release in the cinema and I went to watch it and it 100% stood up and I felt exactly the same sort of like tingle down the spine at some of those, those, uh, uh, some of those moments in, in the movie. Um, and I guess, especially as a, as a teen watching it and having that feeling of, you know, I, you know, I get this guy. You know, he's, he's different. There's something about, you know, he's, he's not like all these other people. You're like, yeah, yeah. Looking back, I'm like, oh man, that's a bit cringe. But actually, yeah, I, it, it did. It did kind of speak to, to me as maybe a bit of a nerdy teenager, certainly. Totally. Uh, same here. I, uh, I went to the cinema to watch the 20th anniversary of this and it was just as magical then, if not more so because the first time around, you know, like I said, a lot of people hadn't seen this in cinema. I hadn't seen this in the cinema. The way that this got popular was uh, people were sharing videos and they were like, you've got to watch this. This is amazing. And it did well enough on home rental um, that they managed to get uh, a second and a third film made, which is uh, for, for decent films that don't bring in the audiences. That is how these films get sequels. And, and the matrix was one of them. It had enough good word of mouth that they made enough money on, on home video mm. um, to get sequels, which is, you know, whatever your opinion might be. And we'll get into that another time, but that is a really good thing for a film like this, especially mm, with the Wachowskis. Cause before then, I think they'd only done bound. I don't know if you'd yeah. seen, I, I saw bound after I watched the matrix um and i was like to go mm. from bound to the matrix that's like <clears throat> i've never seen bound i've seen clips and i know of it but yeah it does it's i guess it feels like quite a jump to go into something that seems quite mainstream now obviously like you say at the time it wasn't it was a, a cult hit um so it wasn't mainstream back then it feels very much so now 
But I agree. I, and one, one thing that I was worried wouldn't stand up, but that I felt did, was actually the overall story arc and some of the, um, some of the kind of the plot devices, like the idea of the machines taking over. And, and I was thinking, oh, is this going to be a bit sort of cringe because, you know, we're so past the millennium when it feels like this is kind of sort of set. Um, but actually it kind of added up because actually when you go back to that original storyline, the idea is that the machines took over at the peak of our civilization. So if you take that as written, we may now be in the machine's reality. And that's why the film is set then, because that's the point where, you know, we don't even know that the AI has switched over and taken over now. Um, and, and so uh, I was like, I oh, don't know, yeah, I can, I can buy into this. I'm, I, am, I am immersed. Um, and I guess another thing we throw out there, I, I know there were probably some movies, and in fact, I'm just going to check the IMDb for the timeline on this. But would you say that this is one of the, this, it is one of the iconic roles for Keanu Reeves, let's face it. It is, yeah. it, it is him personified. Keanu Reeves is very interesting. He sort of reinvents himself every decade or so. I mean, you start off in his younger years, he's got Bill and Ted, massive kind of uh, hit. And then later on, you've got The Matrix. Again, it's a cult classic, but turns into a massive hit because of uh, home video. And then in our time right now, another massive hit um, in uh, the John Wick series. So Keanu's a really mm. interesting, really interesting actor. Now, don't get me wrong. He has hits in between those films. Those are just, that's just like a, a whistle-stop tour of his career. I mean, there are other big films that he's made through the years, but he's also made some absolute clunkers as well. And every kind of like decade or so, he'll reinvent himself and he'll just mm. come back with an absolute blast. So yeah. something similar-ish to The Matrix that I'm thinking of, which I did watch, um, again, I watched it after The Matrix because I bought the DVDs. I went back on his, his kind of like his, uh, his uh, filmography, if you like. He stepped foot in this type of world before with Johnny Mnemonic, which mm. was a cyberpunk, um, well, cyberpunk sci-fi film. Uh, that's and, and but that one that one has not aged so well. I don't know if you've ever seen Johnny Mnemonic before. No, it's oh, it's man, on my it's on my mental. Oh. It's on my sort of list of movies from the 80s and 90s that I would like to watch and watch, you know, try and watch as unironically as possible. I think it's based on a William Gibson novel. So, yeah, I, it, it feels, yeah. It, and it's interesting you say that because then that, that was obviously a bit of, you know, I don't know if it was a dud at the time. It may have, it, it, I think, it, it, it again, was a dud. it's probably, not, yeah. <laughs> but then the interesting thing is that the year before that, he did Speed. So yeah. clearly, you Huge know, hit. by the time we get to The Matrix, he he must have believed in what they were doing because he'd had that experience of being in a blockbuster movie. Um, uh, the matrix was obviously quite experimental um, in, in a lot of things that they would, they were doing visually probably, you know, uh, story to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, I don't think I know that. Uh, am I right in thinking that maybe at one point Will Smith was attached to it? There may be, yeah. it's one of those classic so movies where what they, could have happened if yeah. someone else was in that role. hundred percent. They tried to get so many big names to play Neo. Um, that he, I think Keanu was something like the sixth pick or something like that, which is remarkable because again, there are, there are those characters that you're born to play. And I couldn't imagine Neo being played by anybody else. It's like Neo doesn't mm. need Will Smith's, charisma 
he doesn't need Tom Cruise was another one that was on the table at one point. He, again, Tom Cruise would have been a really bad fit because I don't think that he can play this type of character. And, and don't get me wrong, Tom Cruise has got range, like he can act. But I think that Keanu is perfect for this role because even though he, he is, you know, he's an A-list celebrity, I don't think Keanu's range is as big as say will smith's and and tom cruise's i think that he's his range is quite narrow um but what he does in that range is is superb and so i think he mm. managed to hit the character of neo right on the head um and, and absolutely nailed it very understated very um played down uh, and a bit somber yeah yeah in, kind in, of, of he, he plays it he plays it very much as like a every man and that's why I think as a, you know, as a, a sort of a, a, a team uh, watching this, you, you kind of think, yeah, I could see myself being like that. I could see myself making those decisions, having those reactions. But then at the same time, the, I guess, kind of like the physicality that he brings to the, the role just in the, the, the kind of the fight scenes and uh, yeah, it, um, it all it all kind of adds up and it and it feels like for whether it was you know whether it was kind of divine providence or whether it was just a, a fantastic piece of casting like you say you couldn't see anyone else doing that now no, um, and, I, and again it feels that almost the same with other other cast members in a film like that that you know it could have it could have been other people i guess depending on how things went but like Lawrence fishburne as as morpheus um and uh um i'm uh, carry on moss as Trinity. Uh, Carrie Ann Moss, yeah. Trinity, yeah. Those that, that that trinity of characters in in sort of the uh the sort of center stage in that movie, yeah, it, which, it doesn't feel like which we yeah. won't be seeing in Matrix 4, because obviously Lawrence Fishburne is not returning as Morpheus. That kind of sucks. Yeah, didn't know that. Yeah, I think yeah. it cast yeah. now. I don't know all the details because I'm mm. trying to keep the Matrix Four a surprise for me. Um, but from what I understand, they have they have cast someone to play a young Morpheus. So I would imagine that those might be flashbacks. Um, but they have not. Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne is not coming back as Morpheus. Mm. Um, so we're not going to have that Trinity in the Matrix Four, which is a shame. But I mean, I am I have made a, a huge omission there, and we have to acknowledge that Hugo Weaving, my good, that is literally one of the most iconic villains in a movie. I completely oh. agree. And he has he has some of the best lines as well. Like the the scene where he takes the earpiece out and then he admits that you know he hates this world and the way that <laughs> oh my goodness it's so i don't know like it's proper, oh, it, like it's, you, it's, it's going brilliant for it. it's absolutely brilliant and and you know let's let's just let's just talk about these things as we find them um there, there is going to be some comparison to two and three but we're not going to talk about two and three today we're going to stick with the matrix one of the things that really gripped me in this in this one is that the agents are a force to be reckoned with it's like mm. they are built up by the supporting cast is that you've got to run away. Nobody's ever defeated them. Somebody has to face them, but every single person who has has died as like, you just survive by running from them. Now talk is good, but action is better. And I think Hugo mm. Weaving and the supporting agents, they really show it as well. Like when Hugo Weaving is kicking ass, he is kicking 
ass. I mean, he absolutely destroys Morpheus, pulls him apart mm. in seconds. Um, and even when Neo fights him the first couple of times, it's like you're genuinely worried that Neo is not going to come out of this alive because Hugo Weaving plays that so well. Um, mm. he, he does come across as an unstoppable force, which... I think is something severely lacking in matrix two and three at no point did I ever feel that Neo couldn't handle what was in front of him. Yeah. You fully feel from the very first scenes that when Trinity, that, that rooftop chase that she is in jeopardy and it's not even, we've seen what she can do because we see that again, that first shot of the um, the sort of the spinning camera shot of her doing that. that I don't know what the, what the the move that she does, that jump kick. Um, we see that, and we're like, wow, she can do that. She can run at walls. But for some reason, this agent, she's scared and she runs and she's terrified. And all we see is him running when he do see him make that jump. But it's not until maybe halfway through the film that we actually see apart from maybe some of the tricks that they play with Neo and the, the bug that they do in him. And that, it's not until that halfway through when Morpheus actually essentially sacrifices himself and faces off so, so that he can distract them so they can get away that we actually see what they can do. So actually it's yeah. built up so, so well with the, just the, the way that they react, the, 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 the sheer terror that they yeah. might get caught by an agent. And that's what this film does really well. Its setup is amazing because we know that Morpheus can handle himself because Morpheus and Neo fight each other in that simulation before Morpheus fights the agent. So we get a chance to see just how capable Morpheus is. I mean, he's, he's a badass. He knows martial arts like, wow. We know how capable Trinity is because we've seen her take out four police officers or cops if you're in America. She takes out four cops right at the beginning of the film. It's like we, we see these people at their peak and yet when they come up against an agent, it counts for nothing because they just mm. tear straight through them. So the way that this film sets things up is a way that I've always appreciated. They show it. They don't tell it, although there's a fair amount mm. of explanation. And, um, but they, they show it as well, and they show it in spades. And I think if you were going to make a comparison, um, I would think in terms of villains, uh, you'd compare... The, the uh, if I get this right, the T one thousand from mm. um, Terminator Two. Um, yeah. uh, the way that I'm sure both of both of those, the way that you look, the way they move, they've got almost like a sort of a predator-like animal um, approach to the way that they're they're kind of even just the head movements and the way that they they act. Um, and but to your point on on sort of that like exposition side of things i think that because of the nature of the type of film is there's a lot of stuff that they have to explain a lot of it at the start it draws you in because a lot of it is kind of like you know neo sort of is obviously following the white rabbit and you're thinking what's he going to find out and it's all kept quite cryptic at that point it's all sort of um you know yeah you i was searching and, and now you need to you know you need to search and you know you're looking for something um and it's not until we get further in that we do get some exposition. One thing I would say is that when they do, one of the good things is when they do the exposition, the visual that they put along with it just takes you into it. Like for even, for example, when they go inside the training programs and uh, we have the woman with the red dress kind of piece and the, the whole idea of um, what happened with the, you know, what the real world looks like and all those sort of things that could have easily been done two characters sat at a table 
and yeah. one character just telling them stuff. Yeah. Um, my yeah. personal absolute detest um is scrolling at the beginning of the film you know mm. the world has been taken over by machines mm. and everybody lives in a simulation called the matrix i'm like oh for the love oh man but maybe we need to, we need we need like a counter on this episode <laughs> and you've just got my, my first counter like a tick for an iconic thing because we do have scrolling letters at the start of the film and that is one of the most iconic things isn't it the matrix yeah. um text coming down that is like a love it the code uh, a yeah. go-to yeah the code on on the screen that's got to be like that's our first and even before that the because they obviously do it with the the um uh, the studio logos and stuff like that and um, like that's that's kind of like the film hasn't even started i'm thinking about that happening on screen yeah. i'm the, i'm getting tingles in the back of my neck but and like, again yeah. this, this is something <laughs> the matrix started and everybody plays about with it now if the if the studio gives you permission then you try and do something fancy with the studio's logo it's like yeah matrix did that 20 plus years ago stop doing it mm. <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah and, and, and this is the thing a lot of what are tropes these days matrix started them um now obviously Credit where credit's due, even the Wachowskis will say that the Matrix is drawn from um, their love of anime. Um, and there's there's pieces out there that you can read. But essentially, if you didn't have things like Akira, there wouldn't be the Matrix. Now, we don't need to go into a deep dive of Akira, but I just want to put credit where credit's due. It's like yeah. without, without these influences, and you can see them in the Matrix, it's like Matrix wouldn't exist. The Wachowskis wouldn't have written it. Mm. But what I think is nice is that for fans, you know, people that like Akira, Ghost in the Shell, and, and can see like the very clear uh, references that they make, you've got the Animatrix, um, uh, sort of those set of kind of short movies that uh, sort of supplement, I guess, sit kind of in between one and two or, or map out some of the history, um, which again is a, is a fantastic viewing as well, if you can find that anywhere. Um, so yeah it, it's it, awesome it's one of these things where it's it's kind of um that whole idea of sort of postmodernism that you 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 can't be original um so why not just fully embrace that you're referencing something and um and and again this has gone full, full circle because now people reference the matrix and and i don't know were they for, were they they were definitely the first to probably popularize things like bullet time and now that is like just a trope in so many films and video games. And like, it's a mechanic in video games now, isn't it? Like it is the indeed, Max yeah. Payne games and things yep, like that. Max Payne, so, it? Yeah. So they, they built on maybe what was already existing. Um, but then I think, I don't know, some of the, the visual effects that they did in, in the movie and, you know, I guess the wire work and things like that, but, um, is is now just kind of it's just i don't know it's just accepted it's just something that people use in cinema um but then back then um that was just i don't know it was amazing it yeah. was jaw-dropping yeah and it wasn't it wasn't in western cinema i think that's the key because again mm. they, they drew a lot of their uh inspirations from the east and wire work and that type of kung fu had been done a lot um and and that's where they drew their um their inspirations from uh, but it was mm. something that in, unless you grew up seeking out these films it's not something a western audience would have seen before um for us it yeah. was very very new and and to be fair i think on the level that the matrix did it i think it was new for everybody um i have spent some time in different asian um 
cinema films. I, I, I can't think of the words I'm looking for. I've, I've seen Korean films and Japanese films and Chinese films. I've seen a lot of, of different films um, from, from over there. And if you look hard enough, you can find films that have done this before, but not mm. nowhere near to what the Matrix had pushed the technology to. Um, mm. So e even for an Eastern audience, I think this would have been really quite new for them as well. And am I right in thinking, um, I might be able to find this just on the IMDb while we're looking here, but am I right in thinking that in terms of then the kind of choreography and um, the, I guess, the work on those, the martial arts work, that they did have a, someone coordinating that that was like, a, it was a bit of a coup to get whoever they had. I, I should know the name um, and I'll see if I can find it while we're looking. Yeah. But I've got a feeling that, that you know, it was to your point there that they were most 100% drawing from, from the experience from someone from an Eastern background. Yeah. Uh, when it so comes the, to, the, yeah. the main cast. Uh, so uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Carrie, Carrie Ann Moss, um, Keanu Reeves. And I think, I think even Hugo Weaving to an extent, they had to go through months of martial arts training um, mm -hmm. to make sure that the martial arts on screen looked good we're not just talking choreography they actually mm. went through proper martial arts training every day for months so that they could not only rehearse and remember what they had to perform on screen but so that the techniques that they were doing they had albeit a, a small at that point in time they had background knowledge of what they were doing so they were doing proper martial arts training on top of choreography as well so they they put yeah. the time in and when you and consider guess, how small this film was back then, because it was it was a small indie kind of underground film, that's a lot of time for a studio, albeit Warner Brothers, to invest mm -hmm. in a film like The Matrix. It's like all that pre-production time where you're training your actors, that's not cheap. And I, um, I'm going to throw this out there and make a real butcher the uh, pronunciation of the name, but I think we've got um, uh, Yuen, Yuen Wu Ping, um, who is a director, um, uh, I think that might be the person that was um, involved with the uh, sort of choreography. So I could be completely getting that wrong. But to, to, that, uh, to that point though, um, we did a review for uh, The Old Guard mm. um, a little while ago. And I think one of our critiques was that maybe when it came to the fight scenes in that, that it felt very much like just doing it by the numbers. Yeah. I think the the it didn't feel like there was much chemistry with i think there was maybe one fight in that movie that on that we were like yeah that was quite that was slightly remember memorable i think there was a fight on a plane whilst the plane was crashing or something like that yeah that's um, but when you take like some some of those like set that if you take like the set pieces in the matrix like it, i mean in a, in a sense it feels like it's almost like a series of set pieces because you've got you've got the first fight between Neo and Morpheus in the training, um, uh, the training program, which is just, Brilliant. Uh, I it. guess it, it is brilliant. It's just, it's just fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. Um, absolutely loved it. The, the, and, and the, um, the, I guess the other, probably the, the other one that sticks out to me has to be the fight in the subway. I'm glad um, you which, said that. That is, I guess those are probably the, my favorite. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I guess when you put those two together, you've got Neo at the start of his journey starting to realise what he can do. And even at the end in that fight, he's, that's where he starts to get that realisation of, yeah, I, I can stand up to this guy. I can, I can fight him. Um, but yeah, that, that fight um, is, oh, I don't know, it's just so, there's so much... The, um, the the way that it goes kind of like back and forth and um, and the, the, the even the small bit the bit that me and my brother always used to laugh about was the there's a there's a one move in it which is just hilarious which is the where Neo goes to punch Agent Smith and then he pokes the fingers in the throat <laughs> it's just yeah that's that's uh, not that, that's probably the weakest point of the whole fight I mean I, uh, I've been doing martial arts for 20 years and where we come from we would call a take a technique like that a straight fingered spear thrust or a thrust and it's not done like that at all <laughs> no it's not particularly effective you're essentially tickling uh, your opponent's trickier i don't care who yeah. you are that move no <laughs> but it's one of those things isn't it? it's one of those things that if you can suspend disbelief it yeah. looks cool yeah it looks <laughs> it does it's like oh you caught my punch right have my fingers it's like come on guys this is yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, oh, those those two fights are, are by far my favourite. Um, the the one in the, the digital yeah, digital dojo um, between Morpheus and Neo, where he's learning, and obviously you have that famous line of "Hmm, you think that's air you're breathing?" And then it's at that point that the penny drops for everyone. It's like, oh yeah, mm. completely forgot, but none of this is real. Um, and then the fight between Neo and um, Agent Smith in the subway is just. That's what I wanted mm. the whole time. Um, and again, it is, oh. it is like East meets West, isn't it? It's the, because you've got the, the, you've got the tumbleweed in the form of that bit of kind of like paper. Set it up like a Western. Yeah. 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 You've got that little shootout at the start. Um, yeah. It's, um, and again, I think, I don't know if there were many films that, that then went on after this, but a lot of them were in the shadow of the Matrix. If you take something like um, Equilibrium, um, which I think in its own right is a fantastic movie. It's With, one of my favourite. Yeah, the Gun Carters. Yeah. I've, I've, the I've, Gun Carter. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen that film yeah. probably a dozen times. I bought it on DVD and just watched it over and over again. I loved the Gun yeah. Carters in that film. And, and again, the fight yeah. choreography was fantastic. Mm. And it, suffered, it did suffer so much from, from the comparison because it came out at a similar time to Major matrix reloaded and it was really poorly marketed because they marketed it as basically here's another film like the matrix and, it even and they should have it. set it apart and 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 done it differently it even has it on the dvd cover because i i remember because again it's another film that i hadn't seen any trailers for and i just saw it I, it was probably i don't know tesco or or something like that um i saw it on the shelf and it the reason I bought it is because on the DVD cover, it says the matrix meets 1984. And I'm like, well, I love the matrix and 1984 is a pretty decent book. I'll buy that. I got home <laughs> and I was like, this is amazing. How have I never heard of this before? Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it got buried a little bit under the matrix shadow. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. They, uh, again, there are probably examples people probably could point to to say, ah, no, this is the film that where it's East meets West. This is, you know, but The Matrix is probably, you know, the one that sticks out for most people as, as like you say, bringing in those, those references, bringing in the Eastern martial arts and some of those, those uh, 
uh, sort of techniques with the kind of Western gunplay and, and action movie. And again, when you then go to like the the other set pieces, the the gunfights, um, the the lobby um, uh, gunfight, and uh, and you've got so many of those um, those lo- classic lines. They're like, "What do we need? Guns, lots yeah. of guns." Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's so cheesy. With, yeah, which by today's standards, super oh. cheesy. But for some reason, when you drop it in the backdrop of the Matrix, it just works. Um, yeah. it's yeah. absolutely brilliant and 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 mm. it makes it it's like if you can pull off a line as ham-fisted as that and make mm. it look cool as like yeah you're in good hands would well, you know what you know what if you didn't if you had made that line but then you didn't have those um uh, shelves of gun of guns then slide in and 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 have that and then neo you know cock the gun but then i guess again we can see from like all the behind the scenes stuff that they do with John Wick and everything that, that Keanu Reeves is like a, he is 100% committed to, you know, making this stuff uh, uh, look as smooth. And, and, and I, I, you know, again, it's the matrix. We can't like hold it super to account. I know that you can actually fire two guns accurately if, you know, blah, 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 whilst doing cartwheels, but he's in the matrix. You know? Yeah, exactly. So he, he can do, do it once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think that, I think that, that, Sorry, go for it. I was just going to say, yeah, that lobby, that lobby scene uh, is again. It's just the the kind of. It's just uh, well, guns blazing, everything going crazy. Um, you, it's visually just kind of like I don't know a a kid in a candy store, just like I am so I. I almost just want to rewind it and watch it again after I've watched it sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Funnily enough, when I was a teenager, that's exactly what I did when I finally got the DVD. I would just watch fight scenes on repeat from all three of the films. Um, Cause I loved them. Well, maybe not so much the third one, um, but I, I absolutely loved it. And I've probably seen the matrix. It's got to be going on a hundred times now. Um, especially now that it's on Amazon mm. prime, the whole trilogy is up there. Uh, so that that's why we're talking about it today because it's on Amazon Prime streaming, um, and no word of a lie. We were just saying before we came on to record. Um, my wife, every time I go upstairs, nighttime when the kids are in bed, every time I go upstairs at the moment, The Matrix is playing. It's probably been on every day for the last two or three weeks because it's just one of those films that we both absolutely love. Um, and yeah, I could watch it time and time again. And I think, as you said at the beginning, a lot of the reason for that is because it still holds up. The visual effects mm. are better than some films that I watch in 2021 because of the love and care that went into the visual effects. Um, even though the CGI technology wasn't really there, they hide it well. Um, there are a few occasions where you can see it's a bit ropey. I'm thinking of the Sentinels. Yeah. Um, so there are a few shots of the Sentinels where it's like that's very clearly CGI. But again, if you get the 4K restored version today, they've corrected a lot of that, um, mm. and and so a lot of the CGI holds up 20 years later, and the story definitely holds up um, because, as you said, it's set at the pinnacle of our society, yeah. which was kind of the turn of the century if you take into account that everything that's happened after then is part of the matrix. Mm. Obviously the biggest thing for me that kind of pulls me out of the film, if we're on it is the dated technology, uh, like the, yeah. the, the phones. 
horribly dated. The oh, the click, the monitor, click phone, yeah. yeah. The click phones, um, the, the monitors on the PCs when he's when he's in the beginning mm. and he's working in that office block and he's got his cubicle. It's like you have got this massive boxed monitor, and I'm like, okay, so yeah, that's a bit dated. But other than that, because it's martial arts and gunplay, mm. it doesn't date it that much at all. No, and I mean. Even thinking of that, that is another iconic scene for me, though, because, again, it, it shows the um, we know that at that point that the agents are, are dangerous, but also it really shows us how, I don't know, that there's this character. He seems to know everything that's going on. And that really smart thing about like, right, don't move, go to your left go down here take the corridor that 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 bit yeah is um i i remember really enjoying that i think again if i was going to pick holes and i was going to think what well, you know what what about this can i critique um i'd probably say that there are probably a few performances from the supporting cast that are not the best shall we say um uh, uh i don't know i think there's a character the character switch yeah. Who, um, who interestingly, and I guess this taps into a little bit of the Wachowski's own uh, lives. But from what I understand, the plan was originally that Switch would be a male character in the real world and a female character in the Matrix. I believe. And, but that, then I think, yeah. yeah, I don't know if they decided that that was, a, a, I don't know, a step too far or something back then. That it, I don't know how it'd be received or whatever. But um, I think her death scene is particularly poor. Yeah, um, just being unplugged. There's just a few. There's a few pieces like that that you're like, I don't know. The, the people that let's let's face it, that the the roles that needed to be just excel, they do excel, and then the other characters are kind of just yeah, totally. Yeah. So Ma, Ma, yeah, yeah, Mouse Mouse just gets uh, absolutely obliterated, and he's he's. Again, he's not very well written. Mouse is more of a caricature. He's more of a, mm. yeah, it's like he, you know, I mean, Switch even says it, you know, digital pimp hard at work. That's kind of all he's got going for him. He's a mm. nerd. Um, so he's he's almost a stereotype on screen. Switch and APOC, I don't think that they say enough or do enough to actually get kind of yeah. connected with them. Yeah, they're cool. They look slick, but everybody does. That's the problem. Everybody in this movie looks super cool, or at least they did in 1999. But unfortunately, it's been copied, <laughs> it's been copied to death now. That's um, a good point now. Like when you look at it now, you think, and, and I think it is accentuated in the second and third. Yeah. When you're like, man, this PVC leather is not cool. Um, and even when they're not wearing yeah. leather, they're wearing outfits that look like they should be on goth priests um with <laughs> with the high collars and all the button up and so they're they're they're, they're i don't know they're yeah. somewhere between really smart and quite goth i don't think yeah. the second and the third film look anywhere near as good in terms of their overall appearance yeah yes that whole thing of like what do they call it it's your residual self-image yeah so that's, that's what the one projectors and it's just weird that all the all the good guys in the Matrix just uh, actually are, are sort of uh, I don't know um, cyberpunk nerds. Yeah. Um, I just want I wanted it to be like I'm sure there's some memes around like about where your custom character appears in a cutscene in a game and you got the one guy. I'm sure there are probably when I think back there are probably a couple of characters that are dressed in white. I'm mean, actually no there, there is definitely one that probably yeah. is dressed in white. Well, Switch was white, but. Yeah, but we we do what it would be better if we had someone in like I don't know 
a pink tutu. Like, <laughs> God, this is this is how I see myself. But totally, I, and, I and you know that's the thing. It's like in yeah. the first Matrix, people are wearing sunglasses indoors. They're wearing big long leather coats, but everybody looks cool. In the second mm. and the third, especially when I'm thinking like all the all the captains at the beginning of the second film are in the Matrix and they're having a meeting inside the Matrix. I'm like, okay, fine. But they're all wearing these types of outfits with sunglasses. And I'm like, yeah, this looks really like, That guy looks like my dad. And he doesn't dress <laughs> like that. It's like, this, this, this looks like a convention, guys. Yes. Um, <laughs> something went wrong here. So yeah, it, yeah. It we've got bu- Budget Neo over there. <laughs> budget neo i like that yeah it doesn't it doesn't look or feel quite as as slick or cool as the first one yeah. and yes i know i'm i'm in my mid-30s and i'm using words like slick um which instantly makes me not cool but i am a product of my prime or a product of my era i should say but um yeah the first the first one everything that the second and the third try to replicate they try and change but it goes in the wrong direction, I feel. It's like everything that was yeah. cool and everything that looked awesome, it kind of doesn't anymore, which is a real shame. Yeah, I think it's that thing of trying to get lightning to strike twice. Yeah. The, 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 the first movie sort of just hit that kind of zeitgeist. It was, the, it was probably that first, once it went mainstream, once it kind of went cult and then developed that kind of following, that whole thing of, of uh, cyberpunk, of, um, I don't know, the worlds within worlds the that alternate reality kind of thing um uh, yeah it, 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 it and and obviously then drawing from established genres as well um it did just kind of hit the spot in a way that yeah 100 percent would be hard to replicate um and i think we both agree that you know as a whole the trilogy is an enjoyable is enjoyable but yeah the, the first matrix stands head and shoulders about oh, uh, the other two and one thing that we haven't mentioned and this is like probably as it, as influential to me as the movie is the soundtrack yes. oh my goodness that yes. soundtrack there are so many songs that are, i don't know just like the i'm thinking like i mean the ending like rage against the machine wake up like again another like angsty team yeah i'm gonna pretend i'm left wing when really i'm not that left um so <laughs> i remember I know, and, with and, the soundtrack um i managed to get the cd from a friend of mine and i took it home and i put the cd in my xbox the the first one um so i think this would probably this would have been around about the same time the second or the third one came out because the xbox wasn't released until 2001 and i copied the cd to my xbox back when the xbox could do that and i think it took some of the reason like 45 minutes to an hour just and that that's how slow processes were back in the day on consoles um but yeah i i had and it was the it was all the space that i had for music and it was just mm. the matrix trilogy i think it was a whole trilogy just all of the music on the xbox and i would play it over and over and over again it was flipping fantastic for back then yeah yeah and and it, and the way that some of those some of those tracks just kind of seamlessly like kind of there's the the uh, rob zombie and the prodigy in the um the club scene and thinking of the uh, um, uh, um uh propeller heads the bullet time um oh, yeah. the, the lobby shootout like just yeah 
uh, it it's probably one of those again the last I think the last review we did we were talking about uh, Wolf of Wall Street and yeah. that has a lot of popular music in it but it, it totally didn't really strike a, yeah we didn't strike a chord to us whereas this is like time this is iconic timeless you can't you can't separate the movie from from the soundtrack hundred um, percent no it's just yeah it's you're absolutely right the, the music is used so effectively um whether it's uh you know a track from from an artist or whether it's composed specifically for the film the music mm. is on point to the point yeah. actually where i got a bit sick of it eventually because the music was so good i don't know if you ever played um enter the matrix it was an xbox game or playstation I, 2 game back i in did day. play a bit yeah they yeah. overused the music because it was so epic they overused mm. that music so much got to a point where i couldn't listen to it anymore for a really long time yeah because again it probably thinking of the actual orchestral original soundtrack a lot of it um it kind of draws from maybe sort of I'm thinking of like kind of the Horace or strings, but then also that sci-fi, that kind of, there's that sort of clanging repetitive mm. metal sound that comes in, in a lot of the, the scenes, which is uh, very much, again, takes me back to Terminator 2 and the soundtrack to, to that. So I, th I think original score wise, it's probably not massively impressive, but it's perfect for yeah. the movie. And, I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure there's a link there for, um, I think, Junkie XL, who's a composer and um, a DJ, I think may have been involved in the soundtrack. I could be wrong, but I know that he did the soundtrack for Mad Max Fury Road. I think um, you're which, right about Junkie XL, because that rings yeah. a very loud bell. Yeah. Mm, again, which is another, like... Uh, just another perfect action movie soundtrack yeah we'll, um we'll have to we'll have to check if that's on streaming and do that at some point um, that's good while Andy, while andy's not here because he doesn't like it um although i know we can't avoid <laughs> yeah we gotta get some dissenting voices in at some point but, um, right. absolutely yeah um yeah. so just trying to think so technology and all that and this is the thing that I, <laughs> as a great way to start, there's, there's no segue there, technology and all that. This is the thing that I think uh, was the biggest sort of letdown between the first and the, the, the next two was the fact that the first one was pushing the technology that they had as, as hard and as far as they could get it so that they could give you something that you'd never seen before on screen. And the next two just mm. kind of like, it felt like they'd lazily just kind of fallen back on CGI and said, oh, that'll do. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. thinking predominantly the the fight scene between uh, Neo and a hundred agents. Oh. It's like the CGI that, on that is awful. It that is aged so poorly, and and even like the uh, I know there's there's a couple of characters that are predominantly CGI. So the um, the twins, the sort of yep. ghostly twins. Well, the they're they're one. actual twins, weren't yeah. they? But it's just that their ability. Yeah, yeah they were, their they're, abilities were CGI. Yeah. Yeah, and that again, that doesn't hold up very well um yeah. even some of um some of neo's sort of superman abilities awesome. are, are kind of a bit yeah awesome. and and they and again it goes back to it goes back to that whole thing of if you can do it physically do it physically yeah and even if you think of like some of those bullet time elements like that is that is keanu reeves falling over with cameras all around him in a, in a spiral um with some wires 
Uh, and so we, yeah, it, it really, it really was done, but with some other pieces. I always go back to films like The Dark Knight. Like they did flip, they flipped that that lorry over. Yep. They did it with the giant piston coming out of the ground that they then obviously cleaned out uh, with 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 CGI. Yeah. But they really did it, and I think that's where the weakness comes in. Is I think it is, it's so easy to see. Um, and even in newer movies, it's really easy to see or uh, um, it's just you can you can get that gut feel of that this isn't this isn't real. I can tell yeah. there's a there's a, a gravity and a weight to these things that that uh, when they are real. Um, so, yeah, 100 percent. You I, I completely it, agree. There was probably an element of. Um, yeah. I think that CGI should be used to enhance what you've got on screen, not to just completely create what you have on screen. Um, obviously, there are some uh, exceptions to the rule. I'm thinking Avatar back in the day. Uh, most of that, what you see on screen is is pixels. But it, again, it's it's motion capture. Um, so there yeah. are still people who are physically acting. And also things like, um, and, and again, one of my absolute favorite films of all time, which I think is horrendously underrated, is Cloud Atlas. And there's an absolute monumental amount of CGI used in that because there are lots of things that you just physically wouldn't be able to do, but you've got to know when to use it. If you can do it physically and then maybe enhance your scene with CGI, then do it physically because the eye will always be able to tell, or at least it can with the technology we currently have. Yeah. It's what they say about um, uh, barbecue sauce. In fact, um, that um, you can use it on pizza and you can use it in the bedroom, but you better know what you're doing. <laughs> I've never heard that before. That's brilliant. <laughs> there you go. That's a new one for you. I'm taking the podcast to need the praise levels. I love um, it. I'm going to remember that. <laughs> I'm not sure yeah, I'm going to use that. I teach kids for a living, but uh, I'll yeah. remember. <laughs> but no, I I don't know. I'm trying to I'm trying to wrap my brains to think if there's anything that we uh, anything that we haven't covered because I feel like we've probably hit cover, all of the. Um, I want to cover cipher. I thought. What, what are your thoughts of Cypher as a character? Because obviously he's one of the villains. In fact, to be fair, he's potentially the biggest villain in this because the agents and the system is a very clear-cut black-and-white villain. And Cypher is your... Well, he, he's, he's your traitor. So what, what's your opinion of just Cypher? Your anti-hero. Yeah. Mm. So the interesting thing, the interesting thing from from a like a personal kind of like belief side of things the matrix was a really interesting one for me because it was um like my my sort of like background i'm i'm a a christian and the matrix was one of those things where it it kind of like crossed over that from from pop culture to like you know this is something that actually can help people understand kind of you know some of the things that you believe that people might think are a bit kind of crazy and out there to the point where I like made my parents watch it and was like, you should watch this because potentially you might actually be able to talk to someone about it nice. and they might understand what you're talking about. And I think one of the, what is one of the things that was kind of pulled out is that, you know, is that if you present to someone, you know, this belief system where it's, you know, it is the idea of kind of giving up your, yourself and you know that you should live a sacrificial life and that essentially the two things that you're called to do is to you know to to love god and love your neighbor um that some people are going to look at that and they're going to go 
between and a lot of people will look at that and they'll say i don't buy it and a lot of people will look at it and they might say yeah okay i i, I i'm i'm on board with this i'll get on board and then when it actually when push comes to shove they're like no i'm not making that compromise but now i'm in what do i do and for me he cypher kind of like probably jumped in as one of those kind of like characters that probably epitomized maybe someone that they get on board with this belief system and they feel like they it, it makes sense to them and you know and but then when the rubber hits the road and when it starts to get tough um the actually the matrix seems like such a better option um and it was kind of like um and and you know i'm, I'm not saying you know I'm, I'm not saying that's a, something that everyone has to take away from this but certainly it, it kind of was a um a, it, it crossed over really well and again i don't think that's it i don't think there's any um what's the word uh coincidence i think another thing that the wachowskis were drawing on was eastern religion eastern philosophy western um uh, faiths and bringing that together in a big melting pot and that's why it draws in and why people can look at it and read their own religion and read their own faith in it because it has those things as well so yeah 100 percent, i see cypher as almost that lucifer character of like you know he was part of the kingdom and he's um He's decided that he, he, he doesn't want it anymore and he, he wants to, to go back. And I always wonder to myself, I wonder if he'd been successful, would the machines have given him what he asked for? I don't think they would have. No. I think they I, would have gone, no. Yeah. First off, I absolutely love your reading of Cypher. That, I've never heard that before. And I love that reading of that character because it brings a lot more depth to his character. Um, and also, I think there was a point where... Um, when they're trying to break Morpheus and one of the agents turns to the other agent and says something along the lines of um, uh, they have not been able to secure the ship or the Nebuchadnezzar because obviously it was Cypher's job to, se to secure mm -hmm. and to kill uh, the other individuals and keep Morpheus alive on his end whilst they break him inside the matrix. And when they realized that Neo and Trinity are still alive, um, they actually said, well, go ahead with the plan like we were going to anyway, or words to that effect. Mm. So honestly, I think that once they'd broken uh, Morpheus, they were always going to blow up the Nebuchadnezzar and, and Cypher was just going to be whatever you've done your job. We're going to kill you now anyway, because they have absolutely no vested interest. Once they've got what they want, there's no reason for them to keep Cypher alive. It's like, we're not yeah. going to go through the effort of re-implanting, you know, putting you back in the matrix. Why would we? You're a power source to us. We, we don't care about you. And mm. in, in a typical program fashion, they have one goal. Once they've achieved that goal, nothing else matters. It's a very, yeah. li very linear way of thinking. So no, I, I think they were always going to kill Cypher. I think they were always going to blow up the Nebuchadnezzar. And, and actually, when I read it back, I think there's a lot of um, there's there's Cypher clearly has you know a lot of issues in terms of you know he's gone in he's he's been sold this dream and then it hasn't really materialized he's stuck on this like rusty old ship and that's yeah. another thing when they're outside <laughs> the matrix they're literally wearing secondhand clothes that you know he's it's pretty scummy um, I think I wonder whether you could almost read and maybe there'd be a great story to be written about it's where he thought that maybe he could be the one that maybe. Yeah that it could have been him and then it wasn't. And then Neo turns up and it's this guy and it's like the resentment that maybe 
there's that undercurrent of maybe there's you know uh, unrequited feelings with for him and Trinity. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I think it's it's a great character because it plays that other part. We've got Neo there as the one that's like, yeah, do you know what? I'm 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 the reluctant hero, but I am buying into this um, and buying into what the Oracle's telling me. And then you've got that other part which you can 100% relate to, which is the cynical. This is a load of rubbish, um, and and you know I've been sold a lie, yeah. I've been sold a dream, and it's not materialised. So I think you can, you can, as much as you can almost like despise him, you can one hundred percent kind of get on board with where he's coming from. I think. Absolutely, and I think Cipher makes a point when he tells Neo, it's like you know if Morpheus had actually told them what reality was then uh, they'd have told you to shove that pill up your backside um whereas obviously morpheus's presentation was very cryptic mm. it's like oh is it you know, the yeah. blue pill or the red pill do you want to know the truth or do you want to wake up tomorrow morning remember nothing and remain a slave it was like well with that presentation of course i want to know the truth um but yeah that, you know they, they didn't morpheus never tells them the actual truth or you have to find it out yourself and i suppose if i was inclined the same way that cypher was yeah I'd be peed off if I woke up in, you know, in the middle of a farm with things hanging out of me and I got a massive, great big metal thing shoved down my throat. I'd be pretty annoyed as well. Mm. (laughs) So I get get where it comes from. I haven't been keeping count, but the red pill, blue pill is um, definitely another icon and and a weird one because of how that's been adopted by certain sort of uh, uh i don't know subsections of the internet yes um uh, for things that 100 percent i'm sure we wouldn't agree with um, <laughs> uh, but again another another example of how this has become so part of culture and counterculture and and all those things as well um uh, but yeah i think um i think cypher does uh, if you didn't have cypher you would only have the inhuman unstoppable machines and I think you do need to have that more uh, human uh, betrayal, that human character um, that comes in as a as a as a threat as well. Um, I, I agree entirely. Yeah. Human motivation, um, because again, it's lacking in the second two films. Because your main mm. um, your main uh, antagonist is, albeit in a flesh body, it's Agent Smith again. It's like you yeah. you don't you don't have. Uh, a human bad guy sure you've got mm. a general who disagrees with everything that you say and do because he doesn't believe in the one and but that's nowhere near as compelling as essentially your judas in the group is like yes you know yeah, judas that's the that's yeah. the comparison yeah there yeah. you go yeah I mean, and, and and there is there's a lot of um Correct me if I'm wrong, because I think your knowledge on this would be better than mine but there's there's a lot of um religious um, undercurrents, especially with things like the thing that springs to mind is that like the Nebuchadnezzar isn't that actually mm. something from the Bible itself? In the sense, and yeah, and named it, and there's all these yeah, you, nods to to religion throughout the Matrix. You've got, I mean, like Neo is is the kind of archetypal Christ figure. You, you've got that. You've got yeah, the Nebuchadnezzar, which is a reference to a biblical uh, king. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's something in Hebrew written in the, the, I mean, the Oracle itself, you've got that kind of, you know, the the religious prophet or the sort of the mystic 
um, that you know is going to set you on your mission and set you on your path. And, and there's that whole thing of they've all been given kind of a different mission, but then they all kind of play in together. And are they going to trust what they've been told by the oracle, or or is what they've is it going to come true anyway? Regardless, yeah. it's got this whole like predestination versus free will. Yeah, I mean, you. It, it is very much like you could see like the, the Wachowski's just going like, yeah, we're into all this stuff and let's just cram it in here. But actually they, you know, I think they do it, they do it very well in, in that first matrix. Again, it's probably one of the weaknesses, especially of the second one is where they try and go more philosophical yeah. and it just gets a bit kind of, oh, it's very heavy. Oh, it's very heavy handed, yeah. very heavy handed, yeah. especially with the Merovingian. Um, and, and, and so much, exposition from the Merovingian in the the second one and then again the um the architect i'm like that whole conversation yeah. don't get me wrong when i was sat in the cinema watching it because i did watch the second and the third one in the cinema i was i was lapping it up i was like this is a but then again i was i was what how old was i when the second and the third one i think i was late teens early 20s and that was right mm-hmm. in my wheelhouse i was like i'm loving all of this um, but then I go back and watch it and I'm like, what mm. were you thinking? This is just yeah. way too much. And I have to say, if I was going to, again, I know we're not reviewing the second and third, but one thing that they do take from the first film in the second film, and I think they do a great job of, is they remember that a Rage Against the Machine film at the end of the movie is how is is you can't go wrong. Because I think they've got, um, I can't remember what, I think it's Calm Like a Bomb is, is at the, the end of the second film. Nice. And it does have a really good cliff. It does have a great cliffhanger when you see that camera pan across and you yeah. see that the person that Agent Smith is, is, is possessed. I thought, yeah, that's a, that's a, they did well in the second movie that, with that cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some of that stuff with the, the yeah, especially with old um, kind of uh, the Colonel Sanders in the computer <laughs> um, is, is a bit like, ugh, yeah, can we just get on with the action? Can we have another fight scene or whatever? Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. Oh, Colonel Sanders. No, you're right. He's he's basically yeah, he's Colonel Sanders, isn't he? Oh man. Um, one last thing that I wanted to talk about is, and and you actually uh, brought the point up uh, earlier on was the whole fatalism argument, because you're supposed to take the red pill to know the truth and be set free. And yet when you meet a character like the Oracle, she predicts that Neo is going to break a vase. She sets you on your path. She tells you what you need to hear, not necessarily what's the truth, which again suggests that this is all predetermined and that even though you are now free from the matrix, you're not free from your fate. And I love that idea. It's like you've, you've gone from one Mm. system of control, which is the matrix and, and the programming to another system of control, which is fatalism and the fact that it doesn't matter what you choose, you're always set down mm. the path. You, you cannot escape your fate. Well, I think one of the things, again, one of the, maybe one of the weaknesses of the second and third film is that some of the elements where they show the wider world, it starts to fall apart a little bit. Some of the bits that weren't shown, like we don't see the machines in the, in the first film, apart from the Sentinels. Um, we see the representations of them in the matrix um so there's some of these pieces that are a little bit um I don't know, maybe slightly spoiled when we see them in the second and third and it kind of the the, the i don't know the when the curtain comes down we're a little bit uh, disappointed maybe. i felt the same way about but the then, style but, as well to be fair 
Like in, yeah, the, in was, the first it, one, Zion was spoken about, but in the second and third, you see Zion, and I'm like, this is not what I built up in my head because yeah, 1999 to 2000, what was it, 2003? As I'd had mm. years to build up pictures in my mind, and then when I finally saw Zion, I was like, oh, all right then. <laughs> It's just a rave in a cave, basically. Pretty much. Um, and again, classic, like, classic, oh, so everyone likes to do this now, do they? Um, yeah, it's not, not massively a representation of the entirety of human race. But I guess to that whole thing of, like, the philosophy behind it, the whole kind of, you know, are they part of a different system? I guess you could see that the, these machines are so advanced that maybe some things that we would consider to be kind of mystic or magic that is just programming and that whole idea of these different programs that do different things and that maybe actually the the oracle is one of their programs that has the ability to you know predict the future it is that whole thing of like we're at the point now where i guess in our reality like ai and machine learning and all those types of things are a kind of commonplace and that's where i thought you know going back a couple of years i was like yeah do you know what it it, it does feel like you know maybe maybe we the, these are the sowing the seeds or whatever or maybe we've even gone beyond that point already and this is just the machines making us think that we are yeah. making these strides whenever they've already happened no, that's a good show. yeah it reminds a really me of a good quote series from, um sorry, sorry uh, ladies and gents if obviously if you're listening there is a slight delay between sam and i so we are battling against that um it reminds me of um i just had to look it up because i didn't want to butcher it um, with the whole, you know, the Oracle knows and the machines know because their technology is advanced. Whereas Arthur C. Clarke, um, who is any, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And maybe that's just the point where it is. It's like these machines have got hundreds of years on us now um, in terms of uh, actual development, whereas the human race has just been fighting to stay alive. They've not developed their technology. I mean, Zion looks like the whole thing was built from scraps that the machines have left over. Um, and so maybe the machines are just at a point now where they can predict these things. It's not fate by any means. It's just advanced technology that appears to predict the future. Mm. And there's a really good series of books by an author called Mark Lawrence. It's a bit, it's a tenuous link, but the um, the Broken Empire trilogy. And the idea is it's um, it's like medieval fantasy, but it's also post-apocalyptic. The idea is it's set in three thousand years in the future. There's been a nuclear holocaust, and civilization has built itself back up to the point of medieval times. Love it. But with the relic, with the relics of this very advanced um uh, uh sort of 22nd or whatever century um society that basically now uh, appears to be magic because um they have all these amazing technology well actually they, they, there is magic the reason that the nuclear holocaust happened in that story is because the uh, basically their version of skynet was like ah you guys have discovered magic we're going to kill you all now because um you can't cope with that <laughs> and now um, the mistake they made was that actually now magic exists alongside this crazy technology hidden under the ground and stuff anyway nice. so it's kind of that, that whole that whole thing of um yeah i think that is a great quote to, to put alongside to put alongside it but um and they do they do play around with some of that sometimes it hits in a second and third but a lot of the time it doesn't quite hit the right way i don't think and um, certainly not in the same way that it does it's a lot more um subtle uh yeah. well 
I say subtle, subtle to someone that is interested in sci-fi and likes these types of movies. Probably, it probably is massively on the nose to someone that's not a sci-fi nerd. Yeah, no, that's that's a very good point, actually. Um, in which case, it, unless there's anything else you'd like to talk about the Matrix, because I think that we are delving more and more into the scene. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> would uh, is there anything more that you'd like to add for the first one? I don't think so. I think we've pretty much covered it, and I'm going to be I'm going to go out on a limb and say that everyone who's been listening so far to this episode, I don't think there are going to be any surprises on what we're going to say when it comes to <laughs> recommend. You know, recommend. Now, of course, remember is that even if we because we've done it before, even if we enjoy a film, it's about whether we can recommend it for busy parents. Have they got the time? Would you invest the time into sitting down mm. and watching this film if you can only watch one film a week because you're a super busy parent? Because, uh, of course, it's parents on pictures. Because in the past, we have not recommended things, even though we've enjoyed it, because that's not the point of this pod. So, Sam, take... I still think that it's... <laughs> I, I, think our, I think our responses are predestined. Sam, would yes. you recommend The Matrix? Well, the Oracle has foretold that I will recommend The Matrix 100%. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, again, we both had that experience of watching it back uh, um, uh, 20 years on, and it holds up. It's a great action movie. Um, you, even if, you know, if you've not watched it and it's, you want to watch it purely just for the references, just to see where some of these things come from. But the, the combination of the, the action set pieces, the performances, the soundtrack, the visuals, it, um, it is a, a, a true icon of cinema, I would say. And that's probably a, maybe being a little bit over, uh, I don't know, OTT. But um, yeah, I, I 100% would recommend this movie. Awesome. And I'm much the same, just to kind of parrot a little bit about what you've said. I think that there's enough in this film for even a casual viewer to really enjoy it. Like there's loads of action, loads of martial arts, loads of gunplay, really slick, stylish characters. Even if you're not really massively into science fiction, I think there's enough in here for loads of people to enjoy. So none too surprisingly, yeah, absolutely. 100% recommend this. Um, Awesome. So obviously due to the new format, we don't really know what we're going to be doing week to week or episode to episode um, because with COVID still being a thing, uh, we're all homeschooling, although schools might be going back soon, which is kind of nice, I suppose. And then a lot of us own our own businesses as well. So we've got those to run and then jobs, we've got that to do. So just like the audience that we're reaching out to, we are very busy parents ourselves. Um, so as a result, the change of format is simple. We have put down in a spreadsheet all of the films, or we're, we're building a spreadsheet of all of the films um, that we have seen on these streaming platforms. And each week we're going to pick one that we've all seen, whether we like it or not. Uh, because of course, I think it would be, I think it brings out a decent conversation time to time when we have a, a few things we disagree about. So I'm really looking forward to maybe doing Star Wars someday because I know Andy's not a big fan of Star Wars. <laughs> he's never seen them. So he, actually, to be fair, credit where credit's due, he's never seen Star Wars, I don't think. So he can't be a fan or dislike it. It's just not really his cup of tea. <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely we'll definitely find some some things to disagree on there that we've uh, we've all watched 100 percent. love it well i've been damien and you've been sam i, I still, have been sam I'm, I'm still working on the outro we don't really have a <laughs> outro. 
I'll just chuck the music in afterwards. But no, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, do you want to do Andy's bit about social medias and stuff? I, w- I will give it a try. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. Search uh, Parents on Pictures podcast, and that should get you close enough to find us. Where can we be found to listen to, uh, Damien? Oh, we can be found on uh, Spotify, Spotify, Flippinex. Oh, awesome. Yeah, Spotify. We can be found on Spotify. Uh, we use Anchor, but Anchor is now owned by Spotify, so no surprise there. But you can also find us on iTunes and pretty much anywhere that you would listen. Uh, I personally use an app called Podcast Addict. I don't get sponsored by them. I wish I would because I think they're absolutely brilliant. Um, but yeah, you can find us pretty much wherever you find podcasts. Cool. We also have a Patreon, which a couple of people have asked us to set up. Uh, we're not in this to make money, but if you want to uh, throw a couple of pence our way, uh, it basically just goes to the running costs, microphones, cameras, that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, you can find us on patreon.com at Parents on Pictures Podcast. Other than that, I'm going to say bye-bye now. Bye-bye. <laughs>